Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Stephen Belton joins us every Tuesday at this time, right around 420. He's president and CEO, Urban League Twin Cities, pastor, recovering attorney, man about town, uh, always has a unique perspective and, and pretty good on his feet. I, you, you just can't be phased, Stephen. I, I am perpetually impressed by uh, your range, being able to address a lot of topics. Welcome back. Well, thanks, um, and I appreciate it. You know, uh, if if I can't be phased addressing these topics, it's because you and Jordana um, keep presenting these interesting topics and um, are willing to put up with my opinions. So, thank well, you. Well, look, we we really appreciate your perspective, and I, I keep telling people, what can you get from radio that you can't get from an app? perspective context analysis you know history all those things i mean look i'm i need to put my phone down just like everybody else but uh, yeah. learning from history and just getting different viewpoints on this radio station that's that's what we're trying to do and um i'm curious first teacher strike in minneapolis since 1970 uh what what are your thoughts as a resident of minneapolis well, um, put the Minneapolis public schools, I'm proud to say all three of them graduated from the schools. And uh, so first thing I think about, of course, is experiences. And I think about the terrific teachers that they had. I think about the things that they learned. I think about, you know, I think about the adults that they are now. And I, uh, you know, a lot of attribution for uh, the fine character that I attribute. And obviously I'm biased for my own kids. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of the attribution goes to, you know, what they learned from the schools and not just the, the teachers and the classroom supporters and the principals and administrators, but from the environment that they created from their other, um, you know, from, from being in a diverse, uh, in an intentionally diverse, uh, school system that we chose and elected to, uh, to have them in. So I, I have a lot of gratitude associated with the Minneapolis public schools. I have to tell you, Paul, you may not have been aware of this because, uh, you know, I, I try to hide it in my resume. I'm, I'm being a little facetious, but I was actually uh, director of uh, of uh, labor relations. Uh, I think we call it employee relations at the Minneapolis Public Schools for a number of years. And uh, so my job was actually to negotiate these contracts, including the oh. uh, teacher contracts. There were 16 bargaining units that we had at the uh, Minneapolis Public Schools at that time. And, of course, the biggest and 
most significant of those and the most contentious was always negotiating the uh, teacher's contract, which was up, you know, I don't remember if it was every three or four years, but uh, yeah, so I, part of me goes back to being in those negotiating rooms and, uh, you know, for crying out loud, some of the same, all, the issues continue to return, they're recurring. So the issues about classroom size and about safety and about compensation and about benefits, those are recurring issues. And uh, I always felt like in those negotiating rooms, Paul, that um, we were arguing over the adult stuff, and I wanted to get back to what was really important, which is, you know, what goes on in the classroom, the environments that we create for learning and to accelerate learning and to close these disparities that we have. But while we're negotiating our over your contracts, which is essential, which is important, um, we were doing the adult stuff, and schools really ought to be about the business of uh, the kids. Yeah, absolutely. And and I know I'm I'm oversimplifying this, but that's what I do. Uh, St. Paul reached an agreement, and they have the same challenges that Minneapolis has. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, maybe it is yeah. apples and oranges, but I, I, I realize, you know, teacher pay, class size, more counselors to help students with mental health. That's gotten out of whack, uh, obviously, with the pandemic, the murder of George Floyd. Um, you know, this, this racial reckoning we've been in the middle of um, for the last two years, there's a lot going on. But what advice would you have based on your history with negotiating for, for Minneapolis? What, what advice would you have right now from what, what you've seen, what you've done? Uh, we say we value teachers and yet we don't really pay them what they're worth. And no, I know don't. there are budgets to work with, but uh, what, how, how do we how do we fix this logjam, Stephen? Well, so first, your comment that St. Paul uh, reached a tentative agreement is correct. The school systems are not identical. It's really pretty. Uh, it's really um, tempting to want to compare the two, but St. Paul is actually the larger of the two districts now. It has more students in them. Um, but this really comes down to money. And so you've got different challenges in Minneapolis than you have in St. Paul. Minneapolis is bleeding uh, students, and part of what the challenge is there is that, you know, they're losing students at a rap more rapid rate than St. Paul is. And in some of the other districts, people are, children are going to uh, charter school, alternative uh, forms of education and uh, so they've got a, a real problem with holding on to the kids that they have and of course every time a student leaves uh, they take their foundation aids the formula goes along with them so the basic aid to the district goes down but this comes down to money and uh, it comes down to priorities and the, I think ultimately the school board is going to have to step in the Minneapolis school board is going to have to step in and direct uh, the superintendent and uh, the leadership there to reach an agreement, to find common ground. Uh, it begins by listening hard, listening carefully, even listening uncomfortably. And there's nothing comfortable about these labor negotiations, but it doesn't help to finger point. And I was, I did hear a soundbite uh, this morning, and I realized it's just a soundbite, but uh, 
one of the uh, leaders for the teachers union was demonizing the uh, representative from the HR department. I kind of cringed when I heard that because I don't even know who is negotiating on the part of the Minneapolis Public Schools who represents HR and those negotiations are the Labor Relations Department. I don't know who that is, uh, but I know that demonizing the individuals and calling them out is not going to be helpful uh, when you got to get back in that room and face each other and try to figure out where the common ground is. And so I think the common ground begins by agreeing that this, um, you know, that this strike is not helping anybody, Paul. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it may be saving the district a few dollars, but it is hurting the kids. And since everybody has agreement that the kids come first, then let's try to figure it out. And uh, there's a significant gap between what the district has offered and what they, you know, I don't know if you've been paying attention to inflation, but it's at about 7% oh, yeah. the past year. And uh, if you're offering a 2% raise, the people are going to do the basic math and think that that's not fair. Whether or not the district can meet that is a different question. Opening up the books, being transparent, and listening to each other is a great place to start. Stephen Belton, curious to get your take on on Ukraine uh, and what's happening there with Russia invading. I know they call it a military operation, but uh, sure looks like an invasion to me. You can slice and dice it, uh, sugarcoat it, but um, there are, what, 150, 200,000 Russian troops in Ukraine right now trying, trying to do by force what they were not able to do diplomatically. So, I mean, where does your head go? Is this something that keeps you up at night? Uh, There's a lot of stuff right now keeping us up at night, right? Yeah, it, it, it does. It's very, uh, you know, there's an impact, you know, people, and it's, uh, it 200, Million. I forgot the number that I heard. I think it's two million uh, refugees have been created by this in just yeah. twelve days. It's just yeah. incredible. And so the pouring of people trying to reach the borders and achieve the borders is concerning. And then the reports of Russia, you know, civilian targets, including these checkpoints, trying to flee the country. Russian, very, very. I do, uh, as I mentioned last week when we talked about the. To reflect on the in the public media, particularly in the United States, over this crisis. But from my perspective, there has not been a similar kind of outpouring about you know refugee crises in parts of Africa and in South America and Central America. And I have to wonder whether there's a racialized component of the coverage of this and to our sense of what activates our empathy. Uh, and compassion over these things. And so I'm I'm deeply concerned about how people are being harmed there. But at the same time, we've got refugees uh, that are trying to get into this country who we are not equally concerned about. Stephen Belton, Urban League Twin Cities, appreciate your thoughts and your perspective. Uh, give your amazing wife our best on International Women's Day, okay? I will do big head. And, uh, so I may, I may tone it down a bit. I'll, I'll tell her Paul Douglas <laughs> says, you are right. thank you steven you take care of yourself we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.